Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Economics Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping young people be successful with money. Join us as we discuss personal finance, financial literacy, investing, the psychology behind being financially fit, and much more. Here's your host, Jerry Dixon. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 75 of the Millennial Economics Podcast. Um, I am super excited to talk about this topic. Um, and we're just going to kind of hop right in. <laughs> uh, it has been a great year for investing, um, believe it or not, even coming out of COVID and with all of the things economically um, and uh, even socially and politically, I guess you could say, um, in our nation, <laughs> the U.S., um, the S&P 500 and many other indexes and companies have produced very great returns. Um, and it got me to kind of thinking because I am somewhat new to investing. Um, I believe I started investing, just dabbling in investing probably five-ish years ago. Um, and I, I say that in investing outside of a 401k. So kind of taking a look at things that aren't necessarily just pre-built for me that I'm throwing some money into that I don't fully understand. Um, I really started going down the uh, the rabbit holes, I guess you could say, of personal finance and investing about five-ish years ago, kind of reading some books and, and, and learning and brushing up. And the majority of the money that I have invested has been over the past, I would say, two years. Okay, getting a little bit more serious, kind of getting my finances in order. Um, if you all haven't heard my story um, there's there was a podcast episode and I can't remember the episode number, um, but there was an episode where I, I talked a little bit about my journey. Um, so I'd encourage you to uh, look at that. It would be in the past, I think, 15 episodes. So maybe kind of go back and, and take a listen if you'd like. Um, also, there's going to be some resources um, that I will publish very soon on the website www.millennialecon.com that talks a little bit about my journey, um, just so you can know me a little bit more and, and learn a little bit more about my perspective on things. Um, but that being said, I got my finances in order, got out of debt, um, started making a little bit more money, um, started allocating more of that money to, um, investments in the past two years than I ever had before. Okay. And save the few months where the stock market absolutely plummeted for, uh, during COVID-19 and when that really started, um, we've seen really good times over the past few years. And, uh, it really got me to thinking that, how many of us that are just starting to invest will continue to invest and not pull our money and stay diligent when times aren't as good, okay? Um, I had a little bit of an experience with uh, Shiba Inu over the past couple months when that kind of exploded, and I made some money off of that, um, and it's just interesting reading the forums, you know, reading Reddit the people that didn't pull their money out and, and pull some profit, the people that um, pulled their money out too soon, the people that bought in too late at the peak of where it Shiba Inu was and then had to sell later on to um, and lost a, a significant amount of money. You know, it's kind of all over the board and our human behavior and our human nature um, shows that it's really, really hard to time the market. And I don't care if that market is the stock market or if that market is cryptocurrency or maybe even real estate or investing in a business. It's really, really hard to time the market. What a lot of people tend to do is they see the market doing really well 
and they put in a ton of money because everybody is and the returns are great. And then when times are really, really bad, they either sell off, okay, so they bought when the market was high and they sell when the market's low because they're worried, or they stop investing in the market at all when the market is low and then they don't realize the gains that they would have made when the market raises back up. Um, this happened with Shiba Inu, and I think it was kind of a microcosm and a good case study into human behavior when it comes to investing. There were a lot of people, whenever Shiba Inu was making headlines on the news, on Bloomberg and New York Times, and it, it was buzzing, that decided to put in a bunch of money. Okay, And some of those people made money, but a lot of people put money in at the peak of what those prices were, and then they started to panic when those prices went down. And they lost a lot of money. And I think a lot of people do that with the stock market. So really what I wanted to talk about is, and maybe pose to you, is what kind of person are you? What kind of investor are you going to be? Are you going to be the investor that gets riled up with the hype and throws in a bunch of money and then when times get hard, you pull out? Or when times get hard, you stop investing at all and you find yourself not realizing any of those gains you could have made when the market goes back up? The S&P 500 does not go up every year. <laughs> it does not go up every month like we've seen it over the past few months and few years. Um, typically, there are some up years and there are some down years. And I did a bit of research. I'm going to share some of those numbers with you. Um, sometimes those great years are way better than what we've seen recently. And sometimes those bad years are way, way worse than what we've seen. And I wanted to pose the question of what kind of investor are you because are you going to be the investor that stops investing when the market's low or pulls your money out when the market's low? Um, only, invest when time, only invest their money when times are good. A principle that I use is I invest into the market, into various funds and various avenues that we won't go into particularly here um, every month regardless of what the market's doing. And I don't want to be the investor because again, the majority of the money that I've invested has been during good times. I don't want to be the investor that makes the mistake of pulling my money out or stopping those investments when times are hard. Okay, I, I invest in percentages, my monthly margin, no matter what the market is looking like, and I want to continue that. Because some of the biggest wins when it comes to investing happen when folks stay diligent and go against what everybody else seems to be doing and they keep investing even when times are hard and then when the market, um, usually inevitably, right, there's always risk. We don't know what the market is going to do. There's always risk to investing. But inevitably, the market rebounds in some form or fashion and those are when the largest gains are made. People, let's just use real estate as an example. People in real estate that take a risk when the market's tanking and everybody's panicking and real estate is no longer a good investment and um, whatever, okay? The people that purchase homes as an investment during those times are the folks that win. When the market's going crazy because there's a, a worldwide pandemic and the market's down 30% and everybody's pulling their money and thinking they won't have money to retire and that they they can't invest any money because the, the, the stock market is, is no more, <laughs> The people that invested during those times are the ones that saw 30% gains on their funds. Okay, so I would encourage you to take a look at your investment strategy and take a look maybe into the future at what type of behavior you think you will exhibit so that you can make sure you're educating yourself enough to exhibit the right behaviors and not the wrong ones. 
okay? Dollar cost averaging is very powerful. What that means is you're putting money in consistently, sometimes when the market's high and sometimes when the market's low. So at the end of the day, when you look at your investment history, you have, um, you're, you're, you're getting the gains from um, investing when the market's low and you're mitigating losses. Maybe if you invest when the market's too high and the market goes down, it kind of evens things out. So you're seeing a more stable and steady increase, hopefully, over the course of years and years. All right. So I wanted to give you some data on the best year that the S&P 500 has seen and the worst year that the S&P 500 has seen. And when we talk about year, it's going to be a rolling year. So it's going to be a rolling 12 months. So it's not necessarily in, you know, 2010 or in 1974. No, it's a rolling 12 months. So it could be from February to February or November to November. Okay. So I'm going to read this. I found this information on thebalance.com. Um, and I'll just I'll read on. There's a couple paragraphs here. So the worst one-year rolling time frame delivered a return of negative 43%. This occurred over the 12 months ending in February 2009. So basically it's looking at, what would that be, March of 2008 to February of 2009. It's looking at those months. The best one-year index return delivered a 61% return which occurred over the 12 months ending in June of 1983, okay? So if you invested in, what would it be, July of 1982, you would have seen on that money a 61% return, astronomical, astronomical. And you would probably think that investing is the easiest thing and why isn't everybody doing it and that you're a genius because you made 61% on your money over those 12 months, right? Kind of like what we're feeling now. Kind of like what we're feeling now. You throw money in, it grows. It's a no-brainer. Why isn't everybody doing it? It's really easy. It's really easy to invest during good times. Now, if you invested money from, uh, what would it be, March of 2008 to February of 2009, you would have lost 43% of your money. (laughs) And it wouldn't be an easy decision to keep putting money into the market during those times because a lot of people would have either stopped or would have pulled money out at a loss because I think it's going down, 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 down. All right. So what type of investor are you going to be? Are you going to be the investor that rides out the hard times to get to the good times? Are you going to be the investor that continues to invest when times aren't perfect and crystal clear? That's the question I would pose to you. Um, The next paragraph, if you were a long-term investor, the worst 20 years delivered a return of 6.4%. The worst 20 years delivered a return of 6.4%. Very interesting, isn't it? This occurred over the 20 years between May of 19, or excuse me, this occurred over the 20 years ending in May of 1979. Okay, the best 20 years delivered an average return of 18%, which occurred over the 20 years ending in March of 2000. So as you can see, when we look in a short term, so 12 months, those numbers are, very high and very low when we're looking at a smaller amount of time. Negative 43% the worst, 61% at the best. When we kind of take a step back, the S&P 500 over the course of 20, a 20-year 20 period has never, it never returned a negative return. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting, isn't it? 6.4%. Now, is that what we hope to make on our money over the course of 20 years? No, we don't hope to make just 6%, okay? And in the previous example... Um, I usually use my 
So if I'm projecting in a compound interest calculator, and again, in the previous episode, we talked about Coast Phi and kind of what numbers to use as an average gain for the S&P 500 year over year, I typically use 7%. But the worst 20 years, the S&P has returned to 6.4%, which means if you would have rode out the investing every month, even in the bad times, for 20 years, the S&P has shown us that the worst it would have returned doesn't mean in the future it could be different. Okay, but the worst it would have returned is 6.4%. On the flip side of that, maybe that rolling 20 years that you're investing is some of the best the market ever sees and you return 18%, which is very, very cool because think about it. When we're calculating maybe for what number we need to retire or how much money we need to invest to retire, if we're using 7% average returns every year in our models and that's what we're building it off of, we're going to hit that number for retirement a whole heck of a lot faster if we just stay diligent and invest regularly and dollar cost average because maybe your 20 years that you see with the market is an average return of 18. That's the best the S&P 500 has returned over a 20-year period. Okay? But you will not see those returns if you only invest in the good times and don't invest in the bad times. Your returns will not look like that, all right? So that is basically what I wanted to, um, what I wanted to talk about here. Um, and we're going to get into, um, oh, my computer's freaking out. We are, excuse me. Um, we're going to hear a short word from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to get into some practical ways that I use um, to make sure that I'm staying diligent with my investing. Hello, kind people, podcasters. I don't know if that's a word or not, but we are rolling with it. I wanted to tell you a little bit about acorns today. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know my passion for acorns is strong um, because I truly believe it's a great platform and I use it personally. Um, so I can tell you over the past four years, Acorns has been an incredible asset to me in my investing. It's where I learned about investing and dividends and compound interest. Um, and again, I still use it to this day. Um, it is a platform that is absolutely fantastic, fantastic for people that are new to investing. Again, I'm not new to investing, somewhat new. I still use it, but for those of you who are looking to start investing or are looking for an easy platform to start investing, I can't recommend Acorns enough. It has two great features among many, but I'll just touch on a few here, the two that I particularly use. Number one is the Roundup feature. So when you open your Acorns account, you can actually link one of your cards, credit card or debit card, to the account Acorns will round up each transaction that you make with that card and invest the spare change into your investment account there with Acorns. How cool is that? If you're looking to do something that's automated, that's going to force you to invest every time you spend your money, this is a great feature. I have used it. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. The second feature, which I use far more, is just the recurring investments. You can set a specific dollar amount and a specific day of the week or a specific day of the month or time of the month to automatically invest money. If you listen to the previous podcast and you listen to my story about um, how I started investing, or not my previous podcast, but one of my podcasts before, about how I started investing. I downloaded Acorns and I started investing $5 every Friday. And it wasn't a lot, but over the months and months, and me even forgetting that money was going in there, I learned about compound interest and I learned about what dividends were. So you can start off small and now I use that same recurring feature 
just with a little bit more money. But I do it every week. Um, so if you're interested in Acorns um, and the many services that they provide, um, so not only roundups, not only recurring investments, but um, retirement accounts and accounts for your kids, um, tons of things. Um, I, I can't recommend Acorns enough. There is a link down in the show notes. If you use that link, my referral link, you're going to get $5 added to your account um, at no charge to you. No charge. You don't have to even put any money into that account to access that $5. It's absolutely free money. So if you are interested in that and learning more about Acorns and trying it out for yourself, go to the show notes, click on the link, and you will get $5 added to your account. Um, That is all that I'll talk about this, but you'll probably hear me talk about it more in the show. Um, But here is back to the episode. All right, and we are back. Okay, so now we have a decent understanding of the worst years, the best years, the worst rolling 20 years, the the best rolling 20 years of the S&P 500. We talked a little bit about what type of investor we want to be. Do we want to be a fair-weathered investor or do we want to be a consistent investor? Okay, so we kind of understood that um, investing regularly over a long period of time um, typically, typically, okay, not guaranteed, typically produces decent returns, all right? So how do we what things in can we put in place in our lives to help us be that way, okay? So one thing that I do, and this, again, is just practical advice. This is what works for me, is I budget every month. So every time I, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. I budget every month, and the margin that I have each month, I allocate in percentages to what I want to invest in, okay? So number one, my 401k that I have with my, my job pulls money out of every check that I make, okay? I don't stop that during bad times. Um, I just let it go, okay? And that's in a mutual fund that's built of many, many different things um, and that has proven this year to produce va- fantastic returns, okay? And it also has a company match. So I put money into that fund, which most of it is following some sort of index in the stock market, I put money into that fund every time I get money. I don't even think about it, right? And that's kind of lesson number one. Automating your investing will help you to not be a fair-weathered investor, okay? So if it's coming out of my checks, no matter what I do, that's gonna obviously help me. That automation is gonna help me be consistent, all right? So if you don't have anything like that in place, if you don't have a 401k you're investing in, if you don't have some sort of automatic deposit into a brokerage account where it's being allocated into an investment you've built or that was pre-built for you, or you're not working with maybe even a financial advisor, um, and caveat, I've never worked with a financial advisor before. doesn't mean I won't ever. doesn't mean I don't believe in it, but set up some sort of automation that your investments just happen, okay? And you all heard a word about Acorns. Um, I've used Acorns for a long time. Um, I still use Acorns to this day, and I set up um, an automatic deposit into that brokerage account, really, every Friday. And I started off with $5 (laughs) about five years ago, four years ago. $5 into that account every day or every Friday. Um, I don't question that. It just happens. And I've increased that number now. So now it's more than $5, okay? So I have all of this this automation surrounding my investing. Number two is I set up guardrails for myself to where I'm not just kind of thinking about, oh, well, I'll invest in this or I'll invest in this if I have this money and if I don't have it, I won't. Nope, I don't do that. I set up guardrails. So my monthly margin, say in a month, I have an extra $500. 
<clears throat> okay? I split it up. 65% goes into one fund. 30% goes into another fund. And 5% I invest in cryptocurrencies now. Okay? And I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think, well, maybe this month I should do, you know, 15% into cryptocurrency. And this month, maybe I should do 90% into this one given account. Nope, I don't do that. Okay? 65, 35. That's what I do. And it keeps me consistent. And it is the guardrails that I live by for my monthly margin. All right? Um, so personally, <clears throat> just in full transparency so you all know, the 65% goes into a fund that um, was pre-built for me. Um, it, it does follow the S&P 500 pretty closely. It does have some international funds. I believe it has a little bit of bonds in there. But it was, it was something pre-built for me that I've really enjoyed. 65% goes into there. The 30% goes into a fund that I built using M1 Finance. And I believe there is a – so excuse me. Let me back up. The first one's Acorns. Okay, I use Acorns a lot and I really like their platform. That's why I, I really talk to you all a lot about it because I think it's fantastic. They seem to be, seem to be, again, I don't work there, but they seem to be a very um, well-run organization that can be relied upon. That's my thoughts, okay? And that's why I talk to you all a lot about it. That's why I share that referral link down first in the description notes or in the show notes um, because I believe in it and I've used it for, for a long time. Um, so 65% goes into a fund built there. 30% goes into an M1 finance account um, that I built with a couple index funds or a couple ETFs, I believe, um, that are dividend focused. Okay, I'm not going to get too much into what dividends are, but essentially it's, it's companies that um, pay out their shareholders every quarter typically. Um, those companies typically don't grow like the actual stock price or share price doesn't grow as fast as some of the other maybe um, the other companies you may find in the S&P 500. They're a little bit more steady in their growth, a little bit slower in their growth, but they do pay these dividends that I reinvest back into them every month. Okay, that's 30 percent. Five percent is cryptocurrency. Um, I kind of just it's kind of play money for me. Right, I buy some cryptocurrencies that I find interesting. Um, I maybe buy a little bit of Bitcoin or buy a little bit of Ethereum or maybe some Shiba Inu, maybe some Mana, maybe some um, whatever. Okay, it's kind of my play money, but I throw that into um, cryptocurrency. So those guardrails help me to not have to really use too much of my brain because our brains don't operate very well sometimes. Um, sometimes they want to invest more. Sometimes they want to invest less. Sometimes we're fearful. Sometimes we're a little more bold. Um, but I want to be more consistent than what my emotions dictate me to do. So that's what I do, okay? Um, that's pretty much all I want to cover here. We've, we've covered a lot. Um, I, I hope that you guys found the information in this episode valuable. Um, if you did, again, this is my ask. Um, if you listen on Spotify, if you would subscribe to this podcast, not only will you get notified when a new episode is published, but it also helps the algorithms on those platforms to populate millennial economics to new people when they're searching for things like personal finance podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or really any other platform, if you leave a review, um, if you're feeling real generous, if you write a review, that helps the very same thing. So thank you so much for tuning into episode 75, and we will talk soon.